you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the shotgun. Now he bobbles the snap, and he's got a receiver wide open to the goal line. And there's Michael Thomas for the second time in two weeks with the touchdown. Here comes the pressure. Ryan in the pocket. Matt looks, throws, touchdown. Muhammad Sanu. Snap to it. Breeze shoots it. End zone intercepted. Oh my goodness. Dion Jones. And the Atlanta Falcons. Are going to get out of here with one of those roll up your sleeve NFC South battles. Mmm. Oh, Mike Tarico puts it all in perspective. That's what Tarico does. Deion Jones makes a jumping interception in the end zone with 125 to play. The Atlanta Falcons, a 20 to 17 victory over the Saints on Thursday night in Atlanta. A huge win. For Atlanta, the defending NFC Conference champions, uh, and it gives them big hope in the NFC South to maybe even steal the division. Can you believe it? Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal, uh, Wes and Sess coming up in a little bit. But Greg, the Atlanta Falcons found a way on a day, on a day, and who would have thought on a night where Matt Ryan, uh, the defending MVP, throws three interceptions does not play the game you needed him to play, and they still found a way, and that's very impressive. It, it was. They had to get it. it. It was one of those games that just – it changes the rest of the season, that Deion Jones interception, a, a career-making play for him. I mean, he's been a great player for them. It's been a young – you know, just the start of his career, but that is a signature moment and a, and a poor pass by Drew Brees, and in the end, that – throw 
that decision and then the execution, really, of the throw. And then Sean Payton, the Saints coach, running out onto the field and getting a penalty, which prevented them, the Saints, from getting the ball back with maybe about 20 seconds left and at least having a chance to go try to kick a field goal. Like, the two pillars of the organization kind of mm-hmm. let them down at the end. And you can blame the officials for that call on Sean Payton, but, man, he was running out on the field with some uh, some murder in his eyes. I don't know. So you know I, I, don't blame, I don't blame the official for getting I don't blame the official. Either Sean Payton, I know he's a Bill Parcells disciple, uh, but you know there's no there's no law against being a nice guy, Sean. Mm. And all game he was barking at those officials. They even saw him getting mad at him for taking too long to uh, look at a touchdown score. Yep. I mean, Sean Payton, if you scream at the officials and you get on their case all game, when he comes storming at him off the sidelines with like again, like Greg said, kind of like murder in your eyes. <laughs> You know, sometimes they're going to pull out the laundry and say, get away from me. So I don't I don't think I, I know there are going to be Saints fans that are furious. Yeah, the there were some call. there were some shaky calls through throughout the game. One, especially a roughing the passer yeah. on Matt Ryan, which kept the drive going that ended in a touchdown in the first half. But don't blame it on the officials, Saints. You can blame it on your injury luck if you want or Drew Brees' last throw. But don't blame it on the, officials. the Saints all beat up in this game. The biggest loss early on. Alvin Kamara suffers a concussion. Uh, hopefully it will not be something that keeps him out more than one game, but he essentially missed this entire game, uh, which um, really um, killed the Saints because they've been humming this season, Greg, with that two-headed uh, monster in the backfield with Mark Ingram and Kamara. And Ingram still made plays in this game, but they're just not the same team without Kamara who's been so special. No, and they've been a little more erratic now over the last month offensively. Until the last few minutes of the game against Washington, really didn't have their mojo. Certainly didn't in Los Angeles. For the most part, you had it against Carolina last week, but this week only end up with 17 points, 306 yards. It was a very challenging game for Sean Payton to call when Kamara is suddenly out. And then on the other side of the ball, you lose A.J. Klein, Kenny Vaccaro. Those are two starters. Trey Hendrickson, uh, David Onyemata, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right. I mean, Kelamete, they're starting guard. Senio Kelamete. That's six... Six guys are playing huge snaps. So I thought they had such a great chance to make such a statement win, to bury the Falcons, to basically win the NFC South. That's how big this result was. Saints would have basically had this division on lockdown because they have a a game and a half lead over the Panthers and the tiebreaker over the Panthers. The Falcons would have been totally out of it. Now the division is in all three teams' hands. I know I know. you don't you know, control your own fate or whatever it is. All three teams win the division if they win out because they're playing each other down the stretch. And the Falcons-Saints game in Week 16 is now setting up as one of the games of the year in the NFL. I think the Falcons... We talked about this a little right before we came on. I, I, I didn't think the better team won, even despite the injuries. I, I'm just... Matt Ryan not showing up in a big spot today. I know one of the interceptions wasn't his fault. Uh, the end zone interception was horrific. That was terrible. And in general, it gets back to the point, he hasn't been the same guy this year. And I know I know that you, you could look at the tape and say, oh, he still makes these throws. He's been solid. This was a huge game for this team. And he was a liability for large stretches of it, which if they have any chance, they got the win in this game and he did throw that touchdown pass and – and Matt Bryant, let's give him credit. You bang a 52-yard field goal on a 17-all game in December division football. That's a big kick there. 
but Matt Ryan's going to need be- need to be better. Julio Jones had a nice game, but again, where where is their connection in the red zone? Uh, where are they making big game deciding plays? Yeah. They need to be better. Not not Julio as much, but Matt Ryan needs to be better than he was tonight. I was disappointed in his he, play. He did need to be better, and I know. You, are you a fantasy owner of Matt Ryan? I am a fantasy owner, a disappointed fantasy owner. Yeah, and I don't, I don't blame you whatsoever. The defense has played better the last couple weeks, and and I think the Saints offense. I don't like the insinuation, by the way, but go on. What? You're a little extra salty. You're right. A little bit. He's had, in general, a very. I mean, the guy's on pace for 19 or 20 touchdowns. This is. Yeah, the no, defending right. MVP of the league. And Marshawn Lattimore, who I was all fired up to get back on the field tonight to watch him against Julio Jones, had a great battle with Jones for about a half. But the second half, he was sucking wind and, you know, getting oxygen yeah, on that? the sideline. I don't know. Maybe he's not. Maybe he hasn't really been able to practice or condition the last couple of weeks. He's been hurt. He's had an ankle injury, and he's just kind of been. He was taking the oxygen out. tank when, when Matt Ryan threw his only touchdown. Right, and, and really for most of that drive. So that that was bad. But if, if I'm a Saints fan, I look at the way the second half played out and I put it on the offense a little bit. You know, they got that 17-10 lead, which was set up by the defense, which was set up by a turnover. After that, they go four and out, basically don't move the ball. They The next drive, I believe they go three and out. The next drive after that uh, is when Breeze ended up throwing the interception. It was actually four straight possessions where you don't put any or three straight punts and then the interception to end the game. So this is an offensive team like their defense, which had most of the injuries, kept giving them a chance to kind of put the game away and they couldn't get it done. And one more note uh, uh, from late in that game, that drive, the final drive, Dan Quinn got bailed out uh, by his linebacker because terrible uh, coaching all night by Dan Quinn, the end of the first half. And then what you're about. Yeah. Third, third and one. Uh, surprisingly, it's third and half a yard. Surprisingly, the Saints call a pass incomplete, holding on the Saints. So they have the choice. Then Quinn had the choice of fourth and half a yard or third and 11 deeper. It would have made it something like a 47-yard field goal, something in that range. And Quinn declined the penalty. And then Sean Payton said, oh, okay. Thanks. I have onions. I've had onions my whole career. You should have known this. I'm going to sneak it on fourth and half a yard and sustain the drive, get a, get a first down. So if 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 Drew Brees acts more like Drew Brees and finishes off that drive and the Falcons season ends, Dan Quinn's wearing goat horns. Right. He got it, very lucky. Absolutely. They let him off the hook. That was a very curious decision. They also didn't have anyone over the center on Brees' sneak. It was They were just giving him that yard, and then they set up uh, the next play for Ted Ginn. It was all setting up. You're right for Dan Quinn mm. to get roasted. Uh, but Deion Jones saved the day. No, he didn't get roasted. He won't get roasted. He survives. That was a good football game, Greg. It was fun. I agree. Let's felt, have some more of those. It felt like a December game between rivals, one of the best rivalries in the NFL, like a game that actually mattered. I think we're going to have a few more this week. All right. So that is the Thursday night game. Now let's get into the rest of the week 14 schedule. Here we go. Around the NFL podcast. Got a restraining order from Zach Morris. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. First of all, I wouldn't be getting if there was any type of legal consequences for me admiring 1991 Zach Morris's bod, it would be Mark Paul Gosseler that would be filing. Right, not the character. So so right off the bat, I think money's lie is up in flames. Mm. I'm with you. 
as someone who was born on the same exact day as Mario Lopez, same year. <laughs> Goosebumps moment. I have, I have sort of inside wow. vibes to that show, and I don't think you're going to be sued by a character that no longer exists. Mm. AC Slater's the same age as us? Oh, yeah. Aged, maybe, potentially. He looks a, a lot better. better than you and I. <laughs> well, I agree. He will pop up on, like, I'll come home from work, and he's on one of those silly, like, late afternoon entertainment shows. Extra, I believe. Is it extra? And Meg. it is in. So you guys are 42, 43, 43, 44. Mark, he, really? You're 44. Yeah. I look good for 44. You do look, you do yeah, look good. You do. Some guys who are 44 like look like they're 63 and on their last. It just surprised me. I think it's more that I'm surprised I've known you for so long. <laughs> I know. It does feel like a long time. Anyway, Lopez, comma, AC Slater, comma, is like a 25 year old man in actuality yes. right now. That's who we should be. Forgot all this Tom Brady stuff. Let's see what Mario Lopez is up to. Huge Chargers of- fan, by the way. He, he seems to be the He's permanent the host of the channel that you turn on in the hotel to tell you what the movies are. <laughs> yeah. That's also a show True. he's on. What a gig. Uh, this is the Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulders. You heard off the top of the show, uh, Greg and I breaking down the NFC South showdown between the Saints and Falcons. But so much more to get to. Uh, 15 more games, in fact, as we head toward the home stretch of the regular season. Four games left uh, for every team. And, uh, oh, yeah, Greg, what are you most excited about? Before we get into things about the final stretch of the season, what is the one subplot that you're really juiced about? I'm just going to stick with this week. I like the fact that the Jags, Seahawks, and uh, what's the other game? Eagles, Rams are on at the same time. I mean, that is the best little afternoon of games we've had all season. Good. That's fun. Um, before we get to the games, by the way, to the previews, I should ch- I should say, let's start with some news. Ladies and gentlemen, for 28 games, only Sashi. Mm. So sad to see a good drop go, but that's the way it is in the NFL. The churn of the National Football League. Big changes for the Cleveland Browns. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport and NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reported Thursday that the Browns have fired Executive Vice President of Football Operations Sashi Brown, according to a source that was um, later confirmed uh, in a statement from Jimmy Haslam, the team owner. Um, Haslam uh, decided that uh, they were going to get rid of Sashi and keep Hugh Jackson. Mark, we'll start with you on this. Where else would we start? First of all, are you um, sad to see the drop go? Because a lot of people were upset about the drop's loss. Yeah, I think the drop. drop is that was one of our more flavorful drops. And anything, anytime you lose the voice of Alex Fragola mm-hmm. off the show, big loss for all of us and the listeners. Yeah, that's very true. And now the Browns, Mark. Your thoughts on this decision to keep keep Hugh Jackson in the building, uh, no matter what they they've decided. Haslam said they're going to move forward in 2018 with him, but not Sashi. Yeah, I mean, I think that Cleveland, since they've uh, come back in 1999, have probably had roughly 242 versions of an in-house war between coaching staff, X, and fill-in-the-blank front office. And this is the latest incarnation, and this round went to a coach in Hugh Jackson that I'm not sure has shown anything more than the front office has. And I don't know how either side of this can claim any sort of a victory. Hugh Jackson in his press conference, he lost some points with me. He talked about 
the fact that, you know, how much he got along with Sashi Brown, how this had nothing to do with uh, issues between his faction and the front office faction. I don't think anyone can watch that and watch what's happened this season and believe a single word of it. He is lucky that he's been retained, but he now the pressure falls on him. And it sounds like John Dorsey, we don't know, but he's the name that Ian's mentioned multiple times, is bubbling up. He's former, out there. Former Chiefs. Former Chiefs general GM. Manager. Has a chance to come in and, and take that role. And I would imagine that someone as experienced as John Dorsey uh, would have many coaches that he'd think about wanting to pair himself with, not necessarily be paired out of the gate. We'll see what happens. The right. Mo- I don't necessarily believe that. Hugh Jackson is the coach next year, even though Today they put he in, is. in a statement. They put it in a statement. They've said a lot of things in a statement, like they would be patient with Sashi Brown. They yep. didn't do that. Well, the most disturbing part of this for me is when is the owner going to stop making football decisions? With Johnny Manziel, Kyle Shanahan wanted Garoppolo or Derek Carr. They commissioned a $100,000 study that said Teddy Bridgewater, and the owner decided Johnny Manziel. The owner also messed up the A.J. McCarron fiasco by stepping in and trying to go with what his head coach wanted to overpay for a backup quarterback. And now he's stepping in and saying, I'm keeping a 1-27 head coach when the next GM might not want to keep that head coach. When is the owner going to stop making football decisions? Mark made the point that the like a – a, a touchstone of this Browns reincarnation has been warring factions between front office and coaching staff. Well, a lot of times when you put a coach and a general manager together that they didn't come in together, you're asking for trouble. So if you does stick around, that is the situation. Now, will the GM be able to work with you? Because the last GM or whatever role title they gave to Sashi couldn't. And think about Jimmy Haslam since he's been on board. You know, he pushed Holmgren, Heckert, and Shermer out the door when he got there. That, that makes sense. Since then, he's now hired and fired Chud, Mike Lombardi, Joe Banner, Mike Pettin, Ray Farmer, and Sashi Brown. That's a long list for four years. It's only been yeah, four years. Yeah, That's a long list. It's ridiculous. For four years. And I, I don't know. List, you know. The word was that you know, Mary Kay Cabot said that they hadn't even spoken in a month, Hugh Jackson and, and Sashi Brown. So you do wonder, like, is Deep Podesta going to go? Or are they going to flush out the entire front office? Because the rest of it kind of doesn't make sense. I don't sense. wonder that. The first thing the new GM is going to do is send to- Paul Deep Podesta packing. Yeah, and, and on the whole analytics thing, and I, I get that, A, it's been a target for a lot of, uh, you know, playful derision from people. I get it. The results are not there. But the thing is with – it, they did, in on one angle, what they did do is is what – Sashi Brown and company and Ray and Hugh Jackson inherited was utter garbage. And I think where the issue came started was when, when Sashi Brown decided to dump a bunch of veterans out of the gate and it put Hugh Jackson... Some good place, ones, too. Some good ones, too. And, it, and some guys, they were never going to resign under any situation. They were not going to stay in Cleveland. But the whole analytics thing, which would have probably taken a, lo- a longer time than two seasons to really net its full result is flushed out because I think, number one, this isn't like the Rand Corporation where you have people in the shadows trying to like find experimental ways to do society. I love that Rand Corporation comes up society. once every month. It's the NFL. So. You go one in 27, it's gonna, we're going to flush a bunch of old boys back in and do it the other but, way. But they, you, you said you don't know if, they, if Hugh's done a better job than Sashi or not. The front office has clearly done a much better job than the coaching. A, they have all those picks coming up. Yes, they've missed on the quarterbacks, but they've done a pretty good job 
improving the talent overall. This is an underachieving team. So if I had to choose one, I would be more excited about the direction the front office has taken. The They've team. given so, the next crew a much better team to inherit, yeah. but people cannot, and, and nor should they necessarily, they cannot get over whoever's in fault for this. And it's the whole group, I think, passing over A, Carson Wentz, and you can tack on Deshaun Watson for the Browns and a bunch of other teams too. It's a fireable offense. One of the tenets of Fair. football analytics yeah. is we have, very little predictive ability when it comes to early round picks on quarterbacks. So let's just not pick those quarterbacks. And, you know, as David Letterman said about Peyton Manning a couple of months ago, this guy changed the skyline of Indianapolis. That's what, that's what generational franchise quarterbacks do. And Carson Wentz is the most valuable asset in the NFL right now. No player is more valuable than Carson Wentz. And And you messed it up. You messed up Deshaun Watson because your analytics told you you couldn't predict them. It's telling that this is about the 14th time on this podcast that we've had to have a roundtable about how Cleveland screwed something up. It's every six or seven months we're having this conversation on the show. And this is now, and Mark, you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is the most, and part of the reason why I get, I'm okay with them firing Sashi. If they didn't believe in him, get rid of him. Keeping Hugh around is where I'm a little confused in the sense that He's supposed to be a QB guru, a guy that has instincts for that position. And yes, Wentz and Watson went out the door, or never came in the door, I should say. This now becomes the most important draft in Cleveland Browns history. And they've had three chances to secure a generational franchise-type quarterback, and they whiffed. They blew the first two chances. So this becomes most likely in what people believe is another good QB draft. If they don't get this right, and I know they're going to probably pick a quarterback, but if they don't get the right quarterback, it will represent one of the most titanic swings and misses over a three-year stretch that you've ever seen in professional sports. If they come out of this with no quarterback, they're 0 for 2, and they get one more shot at this, and we'll see what happens. The next GM is set up in a plumb position to control drafts, but you know Sam Hinkie isn't the GM of the 76ers anymore. He's not benefiting from from Ben Simmons. Trust the process. Right, if if Sashi's picks work out, you know who benefits is is Jim Haslam, the owner, who has been a prominent part in in two of the big, you know, two of the bigger football stories over the last week. I mean, he is the guy in terms of the University of Tennessee booster uh, situation and their head coach over the last week. And you look at what's happened in the Browns, like not not good situations, and there's some commonalities. Yeah. There. All right, so there you go. That's the latest from Brownsville. Is anybody called Brownsville? I don't know. I mean, I think there are other names for it. Yeah. All right. So there you go. That's what's going on with Cleveland. Let's now move into the week 14 matchups and let let us start. Where else would you start? But Orchard Park, Mark Sessler. (laughs) (laughs) We go we go left to right on the Thursday show. And uh, the Buffalo Bills are uh, still in the playoff mix in the AFC. Need a win, though. Got to get a W, 6-6. Six and six. Luckily, they got the Colts coming to town, and the Colts have lost three in a row. Um, can Tyrod t- is Tyrod Taylor playing, number one? Let's start there. What is the latest well, up- he update practiced with the quarterback? Today, uh, the people who watched you know, the portion of practice, practice that the reporters are allowed to talked about uh, still noticeable evidence of a limp to some degree, and he really was in bad shape at the end of that Patriots game. So, But he's he's there, and if, if it continues, I'm going to go under the assumption that Tyrod Taylor plays. Maybe you lose some of his mobility, but what I'd say watching that Colts-Jaguars game, that the Bills right here are 6-6. Six and six. You're resting just outside the fringe of the playoff picture. You've got a chance right here to 
go in and knock out a team that looked utterly lost against the Jaguars to me. Outside of a deep strike late in the game to T.Y. Hilton, they couldn't get anything done on offense. And the Bills, to counter, I know they lost to New England 23-3. I blame their offense quite much for that loss because their defense controlled that game for two and a half quarters. But you have to actually produce on offense, and you can't expect to do that for four quarters against New England. You can against the Colts. They could be 7-6 and six after this and in a better position. What does Tyrod Taylor give you if he's not able to run? I mean, that's a, that's a recipe. I would say this, more than Nathan Peterman. I disagree totally, and I thought Tony mm-hmm. Romo did a great job of breaking this down that there's no element of anticipation when Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback. He doesn't make anticipatory throws. Peterman comes in and you see quick, decisive throws right off the bat. Now his decision-making is questionable, but the upgrade from, from Taylor to Peterman on anticipatory throws was quite I will evident. give you this. Tyrod Taylor does not turn the ball over. Right. Well, Decision-making is a factor, but the offense doesn't run when Tyrod Taylor can't run. I think it's also fair to ask if that – Nate Peterman that makes those type of throws. I'm not going to say the word, Wes. I don't think I can do it. Anticipatory. Nailed it. Um, Is that guy going to be the guy that gets on the field after what happened in his first game? Mentally, will he still have the gumption to make those type of throws? He had a really nice drive against the Patriots. Yeah, that's fair. It's crazy the Bills will be right in the mix, possibly, especially if the Ravens lose this week at 7-6. and Any any team should beat the Colts right now. And by the way, if the Bills do take care of business, and they better – for that fan base. They would move to 7-6, and six, as Mark said. They got two games left against the Dolphins, mm. uh, who are one of the worst teams in the AFC, a home-and-home home there, sandwiched by a Patriots matchup. If you, let's say you lose against the Pats, you should win those other three games, and then you're 9-7, and seven, and I think you got a you chance. Got a chance. Put, put Jordan Matthews on injured reserve this week. Put Shaq Lawson, who was starting on Lost injured the year reserve, for so They Matthews. got problems. And uh, before we move on, since you guys missed it on Sunday, a, a final congratulations to old Frank Gore, who passed... Uh, uh, yes. Ladanian Tomlinson to be in the top five all time. I was going to say something Russian. snarky, like we didn't miss it, and just like, eh, whatever. But no, that wouldn't be. Oh. That would be disrespectful. That wouldn't be true. Either. NFL.com slash Frank Gore. Oh, no, I don't care about that. I'm saying that's an achievement. <laughs> Greg's long Two Thursdays in a row we're going to mention. <laughs> the, one, the one last, uh, the one good thing about this Colts, he was the only thing that could move the ball on the Jaguars. All right, let's move on to a really solid matchup. The Minnesota Vikings 10-2. and two. They have not lost, gentlemen, since the first day of October. So this is a nice season for the Vikings. They now travel to Carolina to face the Panthers. This is a very tricky spot, uh, Wes, for the Panthers, who stumbled last week against the Saints. No big sin. But if they cannot find a way to beat the, uh, the Vikings at home, they put themselves in a very dangerous position to miss the playoffs entirely. Yeah, my instincts initially were Carolina on a grass field playing at home in a game they need, I, I tend to give the edge to them. And then I looked deeper into this game. Cam Newton, I believe, is 1-4 against top 15 defense. Yes, that's he right. He has not played well against good defenses. Pass a rating of 61. The Vikings lead the NFL in third down offense and third down defense. No team in history since that stat has been invented has ever done that. This is a well-balanced, well-coached team. And to me, the Vikings are clearly the better team right now. I, I think you have to give the edge to them, even even at Carolina. It's not even close. I mean, what what has the, the Panthers done really recently to get everyone excited? 
It was basically the Dolphins beatdown that they had on national television. Everyone beats down the Dolphins. They did not play well against the Jets, were a little lucky to win that game, and did not play their best game in New Orleans at all. That was a one-sided game. Like, the Vikings are the same team week after week. At some point, we just have to, we have to trust it. I feel like if I had to pick who's the paper tiger in these NFC playoff teams, I, I kinda, I'm kind of i with you guys in terms of the Panthers. I don't like the way they played for large portions of the season and the last two weeks especially they've seen flaw that and they did when they beat up on the Dolphins it happened in prime time and that that helps to shade view sometimes but they also kind of had that swagger going and it kind of reminded you of 2015 but that we haven't seen that since they came back from the bye I feel like I came out of that game and I was saying this and I think that maybe I've believe this way too soon. Oh, that they found this identity. Well, they ran the ball well twice in a row. And it came after this and it came after the Saints game the day before where they were they were blowing people up on the ground. I thought the Saints do it every week. You just can't trust the Panthers week to week. I mean only Flacco and Mariota have a lower quarterback rating than Cam Newton amongst teams with a winning record. And it shows with Cam Newton to with Cam Newton too often. And this is a tough matchup. I mean Funches is not a hundred percent and he's going to get Xavier Rhodes traveling around with him. You know, Greg Olson is maybe coming back in this game, but he hasn't really been himself. They don't really have something to lean on on their offense, and so it's it's just counting on their defense to win a game for them, which is possible against Minnesota, but it's going to be tough. Here's one last stat on Case Keenum, who has had such an excellent season, and we've talked about him a lot, but he deserves all the pub he's getting. He's, ever since Teddy Bridgewater got healthy, And everyone was saying, oh, we should put Teddy Bridgewater in. He's a great story. In the last four games, Keenum has had a pass rating north of 100, completion percentage north of 70. Um, That's over four games. The only quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era with a longer streak within a single season, Peyton, Favre, Russell Wilson, and Alex Smith. So talk about raising your game um, when you get challenged as a competitor. Yeah, Love that. People don't talk about their ground game. They're the second best running back duo in the league right now. Yeah, everybody. Everybody Six. thought Dalvin, when Dalvin Cook was. Oh, down, they it's were how can you possibly get over it? They, they, but they and they're not even like Latavius Murray to me. It's not the second best duo. It's the second best running game. Like they could put anyone on in that running game and do what Latavius Murray did. He to me is a replacement. That's what they couldn't do last year, though. Back. That run, that offensive yeah. line last year is the reason they went from five and zero to the abyss. It's the opposite this year. Well, all the Mike Zimmer for Coach of the Year. That's fine. I think to me, McVeigh clearly is a choice. But Rick Spielman deserves a lot of credit for this roster and for being able to plug in a McKinnon and Murray when Dalvin Cook goes down because he rebuilt the offensive line. You on GM Corner? I am on GM Corner. Rick Spielman has done a great job with this roster. Talk about a guy with nine lives. He's been. There have been times when people wanted Rick Spielman out of there, mm. and he's survived a lot of coaching changes. This is the game that Packers and Cowboys fans got to be kind of circling because they got to feel like the Panthers falling off are their chance to jump into that playoffs. Well, the, it's going to be easier than the Seahawks. The Packers are the pack of wolves in the Cowboys mm. and the Panthers are that injured caribou right now. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and um, if you guys are just looking for a little mental image, Wes, pair of blue jeans, black boots, bomber jacket, collar, popped, aviators, like George <laughs> Michael faith era aviators, leaning up against the corner, the street sign, GM corner. And then he takes out a cigarette, which he shouldn't because you're recovering. Yeah, it's not a good idea. And then takes a, one of those matchsticks against his scruff, lights it on his cheek, lights up the cigarette, then puts it out. 
This is like more like a 1963 picture of what's <laughs> Yeah, Jim you're, you're describing like... a man that doesn't exist in our society right now. Well, until you go to GM Corner, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a very masculine place. Let's move on. The Chicago Bears, 3-9. and nine, um, Could not find a way to beat Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners at home. They can't beat anybody anymore. They haven't won in six weeks. They travel to Cincinnati. We can be quick on this one, uh, Greg, because... Uh, the Bengals, for all intents and purposes, ended their season with their failure to close out the Steelers at home on Monday night, right? Most likely. This is a game that should should be a good matchup for them. Andy Dalton can deliver when protected, and the Bears have no pass rush. Gio Bernard maybe going to win some fantasy leagues for people this weekend. Going to be the starter, most likely, with Joe Mixon looking like he's out. Other than that, I don't know what's to get excited about. This Trubisky is- can't shoot straight right now from the pocket. Can throw on the move. He can't shoot straight from the pocket. And a guy that's supposed to be very accurate, kind of that's his calling card, that's a little concerning. Get him a coaching staff. I think he's regressed a little bit, but this is a dead man walking game. And you guys were talking about the hot seat the other day. And Marvin Lewis, I think, I've always said, and Dan, I appreciate you taking on my viewpoint. I tried. Yeah, Did I, I have it right? Or close? I've changed just in the past okay. few weeks. And if you listen closely on Monday Night Football, Gruden and McDonough alluded to them talking to Marvin Lewis and Marvin Lewis strongly insinuating that he will not be back. Mm. That the last few weeks are going to be his last few weeks with this organization. Hmm. And yet I think they'll win this game. I mean, to your point, Greg, they had Trubisky throw the ball seven times last week. He's averaging 14.1 passing yards per drive. I mean, they got That's ridiculous. They got a punt Whew. return touchdown, and they got the ball almost in the red zone on a turnover against the 49ers. Those are their two. T- and they still can't beat the 49ers. I mean, they need Tariq Cohen to do something every week. It was, it was special teams last week, or it needs to be something, a big breakaway touchdown. That's the only way they win these games. Let's move on. The Green Bay Packers travel to first energy field. First Energy oh. Field. First Energy Stadium, I believe, is the name. Did you put a T in isn't the there energy? A, isn't it like Entergy? Isn't it like one of those corpo? I don't believe so. <laughs> Entergy is another stadium. <laughs> that you're See? That's what I'm saying. But it is something not... out there floating in the corpo. I'll target. never forget when we were Wes and I were younger, when they changed randomly out of nowhere because you didn't have Twitter and all that stuff back then to... That Candlestick Park became 3Com Park out of nowhere one Sunday morning, and people were like... Wait, what? Yeah, it was that the was first corporate offensive. naming change, and people were, yeah, they were offended. Because it was ridiculous. The Stick was one of the best names. And then, uh, does anybody remember the late 90s uh, incarnation when it was Monster Stadium or Monster, Monster. Park? Monster.com. Monster.com. Yeah. <laughs> it was Monster Park for a brief time as well. Uh, stupid corporations. Tough. Love working for the NFL, though. Um, the Browns <laughs> are the team that plays at First Energy Field. The 0-12 Browns. We talked about them at the top of the show. They have four chances to get a W and avoid infamy, but the Packers really have something to play for. If they can get a W here, uh, Mark, they move to 7-6 and six with Aaron Rodgers warming up on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, this is all you wanted out of this Green Bay team if you're a fan is to ha- see them have a chance to get Aaron Rodgers back while they were still alive. They very much have a chance that they do that. I look at the two quarterbacks in this game as you know, they're both costing their team points, yardage. So let's say they erase each other. You're the Green Bay Packers. I'd Your job, uh, I, would you? I mean, maybe no. for here and there. But beyond all that, I just think that not, without one holding a big advantage over the other, it is Green Bay's roster against Cleveland's. If you're a playoff team, you should be able to beat Cleveland's roster, whether it's in Cleveland or Green Bay. It's also if Cleveland staff. is this disastrous of an organization, the storied Green Bay Packers who want to be a playoff team, some to have any value uh, beyond Aaron Rodgers, better take care of Cleveland on Sunday. Well, they're clearly not a playoff team without Aaron Rodgers. They're 2-5. and five. 
And even with Aaron Rodgers, they didn't top 370 yards in a game. So Aaron Rodgers was holding them up. And to me, this is a toss-up. Like, we on NFL pick them. Here's a spoiler. I t- took the old uh, Browns to win this game. Why not? Been a lot of that lately. You so got to win. People well, think then, the Browns are going to get off the Then shine. what do we think of Green Bay? I understand. I think they're I think they're one of the worst teams in the league with Brett Hundley as the they're two and five, and they were extremely lucky to win one of those, those with, the second game last. I mean, the logic is there. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I think the Packers are like a rank uh, 23rd to 27th in the power rankings team with Brett Hundley. I think they're that limited with him. At best. And and so if you put him on the road, even if it's against the Browns, you can't assume. Well, any. the road doesn't mean anything in Cleveland outside the fact that you have to get on an airplane. There is a road. Yeah, they <laughs> are on the your road. Your schedule is a little different. Yeah. So you put him on the road against a team that's won like what four percent of its games, <laughs> right? In the last two years, I mean, the Packers should be the clear favorites here, and I get it. So they're the 23rd best team in the league, which is a lot better than being the 32nd best team in the league, and they found. Some interesting running backs in Green Bay. They will not have to address that position in 2000. What's funny? We went into the season. That was the big con, you know, conversation. Like, what are they going to do at running back? Now here we are in week 14. Like, Jamal that's, Williams. That's the only thing they have. Like that was the last. That was the reason they won. Well, last Williams was the offseason darling, and then he wasn't in the picture, and now he's back in. What were we going to say, Wes? He well, he's had, he's looked great the past two weeks as a power back, and you throw in Aaron Jones, who looked great before he got injured. Ty Montgomery's out for the year. I wonder what his role is going to be next year. But I think Williams and Jones make for a great tandem. All right, so the Packers, if they can get to 7-6, and six, the NFC playoff picture gets that much more juicy. Let's move on. This episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best heated clothing. That's right, heated clothing powered by, oh yeah, you know it, baby, rechargeable batteries. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. Action Heat clothing provides warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even underpants. You could stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. We've got a special deal for listeners. 15% off your entire order. Just go to action-heat.com slash around to check out everything Action Heat has to offer, that's action-heat.com slash around, or use the coupon code around at checkout to save 15%. Stay warm this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Greg, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas, heated underpants. Ooh, yeah. And now this. From number one New York Times best-selling author James Rollins comes the thrilling new novel, The Demon Crown. Crown went on to the second line, so I missed it there, but I got it. To save mankind's future, the members of Cigna Force must make a devil's bargain. Follow along as they join forces with their most hated enemy to stop... Greg? An ancient threat, often compared to Clive Cussler in Michael Crouton's best. The Crouton's best. This book combines real science and history with cutting-edge military action, and who doesn't love that during the holiday season? It's a great place to join in on the wildly successful Sigma Four series. Get started with videos, audio, and more at jamesrollins.com. Back to the show. Up next, the San Francisco 49ers. They just picked up their second win of the season with Jimmy G behind center. And now a uh, tougher assignment, but not that much tougher. Nice setup for Jimmy G to start his career. They go to Houston to face the Texans, uh, two teams that are out of the mix. 
Uh, your thoughts on this game, Wes? I'm really looking forward to seeing Jimmy Garoppolo play again. And I never really understood the skepticism of Jimmy Garoppolo, especially the people that say, look what Matt Castle did outside of that system. First of all, I don't even know what the Patriots system is. If somebody can explain to me what their quote unquote system is, I'd like to hear it. But Jimmy Garoppolo is not the same quarterback as Matt Castle. And what Castle did has nothing to do with Jimmy G. You're talking about a guy who has, whenever he's played, shown great pocket mobility, a lightning quick release, good decision-making, good comeback capability. He's everything you want to see in a young quarterback, and I don't get any kind of the skepticism around him. If you want to say small sample size, fine, but not the Matt Castle stuff. That stuff's garbage. It's funny because two games ago when he came in late and he generated a touchdown drive, I thought to myself, you know, going into last week, well, I can't hang my hat on that. Even though there was energy around that, the offense took on a different form. But then against the Bears, I think it was the first game all year. They're dialing up 12, 13-plus plays to 10-plus yards, most all of them through the air. It's all because of him. They are a completely different type of team to watch. Everything that we heard about him and what we thought, we said, oh, Bill Belichick thinks X, Y, and Z. Well, we had to see it. It came to fruition last week, and it is such a different team. And I don't care Uh-oh. if you're playing at home What's or happening? on the road. What's I didn't have a problem locking that one team up last week, so I have no problem locking up a two-team this week. Lock it up! <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love it. Any right, chance to lock, I'm riding this team against, uh, into the sunset. That, <laughs> Ian Rappaport, this is your or the new seller. Team. One of the one new, of the other. Your new team. Ian Rappaport <laughs> said people in the building kind of compared Garoppolo to Jimmy Tony Romo, which I can see a little bit. Bruce Arians made that comparison a year ago. Which, and I and I know they played at the same school, so maybe that's just what you're thinking. But I can both see last that. names end with the same letter. <laughs> I can see that. It, and the first names. Some of the things I liked about him were just there. just like the headiness. Like the second that he got hit late on a play, he's immediately like. He knows he was out of bounds, and he's calling for the flag. They had a questionable catch at one point, and he quickly brings up everyone to get the next playoff. Like, that to me shows almost like a calm in what you're doing. Like, he's very much in control of what's going on around him, which is really impressive for a guy who's barely played at the NFL level. They were 5 of 10 in third and eight or longer last week. Yeah, Those are all like tight window throws. I mean, he was about as exciting as he could have been. Yeah, and if, you, if you're just looking at the box score like, oh, he had an interception, that was not his fault at all. And he had this incredible touchdown pass to George Kettle at the end of the game that got pulled away by flag. It would have been one of the highlights of the week. The throw was beautiful. The catch was great. Uh, I, I think there's a little, like the skepticism on him also extended to, okay, that's great. He learned at the knee of Tom Brady. He was there with Belichick and McDaniels. But does that really translate? And tangibly, it translated to the game-winning drive, and he credited what he learned from Brady. Brady's the greatest one-minute drill quarterback in NFL history. Even just the fact they started the game in no huddle. I mean, to me, that just says he's got some of the parts of the quarterback position which are are the toughest right off the gate. Moving on, a a big matchup in the AFC West, the 6-6 Oakland Raiders who have won two straight uh, to get themselves back in the mix. And how? why are they back in the mix? Because the Chiefs can't stop losing, riding now a four-game losing streak, uh, six of seven overall after that bitter loss at the Meadowlands to the Jets. They won't have Marcus Peters in this game, by the way, the cornerback who uh, fired the penalty flag into the crowd and then went in the locker room, even though he wasn't ejected and then ran back on the field and he wasn't wearing socks anymore, which I still think is my one of my favorite moments of the season. Uh, the Chiefs... Suspended him, not the league. The Chiefs did, so he won't be in this game. Feels like it all sets up for a nice 
uh, game for Derek Carr, uh, Greg, especially if Amari Cooper's in the mix. It, it should. Amari Cooper did not practice on Thursday. He will get Michael Crabtree back, back but Cooper, who passed the concussion protocol, still is dealing with an ankle injury, so that's a problem. But everyone throws on the Chiefs, and everyone throws on the Chiefs with Marcus Peters in, in the lineup. So you better be able to throw on the Chiefs uh, this week, and I think you're starting to see a little bit of an offensive identity with Marshawn Lynch, who's run better for sure ever since he had that suspension. I think he's run really well. This is a game I'm going to be curious to see how the Raiders' defense looks. Since they made the change to John Pagano, they've had their best two defensive performances probably of the year against two really terrible offenses, so it hasn't been a great test. But John Pagano is a guy who's very experienced, has had some good runs as a defensive coordinator in in San Diego, and maybe his upgrade from Ken Norton is enough to at least make this team respectable. Maybe. They have one of the worst pass defenses in NFL history. Right. And then they've, but they've played fine the last two weeks. Again, terrible teams. And so it's tough to tell. But they were a team that was making everyone look good. I thought I was going to be more impressed with the Chiefs' offense after watching the Jets game. But it was really just five or six big plays and right. no sustaining element whatsoever in that offense. If they don't hit those big plays and you can't rely on hitting them, what what do they hang their hat on on off? That's what they were early in the season. The Andy Reid firing himself bit kind of worked, though. The second he fired himself, they went nuts. It's um, the most depressing division in like football. Out. And I But it's fun, it, isn't it? It's like I don't it's ha- a race. No, no, no. This was the oh, no. game of the year, Hold by on. the way, the first time. The fun played. team is the Chargers. I, I don't, there's nothing fun in, in my book about the idea that this Raiders team <laughs> is going to be in the playoffs. And, and frankly, I don't think th- there's be. something even worse about the fact that the Chiefs who, who mystified us for five weeks with this reborn attack and this newfound confidence are back where they are at 6-6. Six and six. You're probably going to sneak into this AFC West division title if you don't get nipped by someone else. And you're going to get bumped in the playoffs as one of the most tedious repeating storylines well, of the to, past five or six years. And I'm tired. You have to beat your Chargers I, I, to do it, though. Yeah, you are you in or out of the Chargers? the Chargers are going to win the division. All right, so what are you worried about? I'm, the fact that we're excited about this game. This and was the game teams. of the... This these are maybe, crappy teams. This was maybe the game of... I would say the game of the year when these two teams played. Well, I know it, didn't have, it didn't have the most important you know, impact on the season, but the game of the year. Well, we and have 12 played. games of the year by now. They, that was not the game of the that year was in my one, book. That's number one to me, and, and it stayed there. And then and last year they played great games in primetime too. I, these are not two great teams, but no. they're two desperate teams, two teams fighting for a playoff spot, uh, two old rivals. Give me the game. I want the game, Mark. You hate the game? It's I yours. Like the game. Give me I want to have it. It's happening. Like you can it. experience it, it. Go experience it. Give it to me. Um, what happened to their defensive line? Like, it used to be a good group. It's mostly the same players, and they're just going to get pushed around. What happened to Kareem Hunt, by the way? I had actually, watching the game last week against the Jets, he had a big uh, reception to keep a drive going late in the game, uh, and I had forgotten that he was even involved with the game or it was a, a member of the Chiefs. This is a guy that was He's still one of the NFL running away. yards from scrimmage. He's third. If you looked at his numbers, you would say that's your rookie of the year because his, his per carry, per catch, total numbers, I don't think he is the rookie of the year. No. I think it's Alvin Kamara. But I, I think it's the offensive it's line. It's all before the, the leaves came off the trees, though. Well, yeah. if, if you like, It struck me the difference between the Jets' run blocking and the Chiefs' run blocking yeah. last week. Bilal Powell and and Matt Forte were running through bigger holes. Uh, Let's move on to the NFC East where the Cowboys are 6-6. A huge win last Thursday against the Redskins to kind of get their feet under them after a three-game losing streak. Now they travel to the Meadowlands to face the Giants. Uh, Geno Smith, of course, as we know, is back 
in the lineup. And uh, Mark, let's start with this one person that Eli Manning. You mean rather? What did I say? Your boy Gino. I mean, it's tough Sorry, to. You were wish casting that. Yeah. You were hoping it's that it's tough to get a legend like Gino out of your mind. <laughs> Because when you think New York Giants football, you think Geno's. By the way, Geno's made headlines twice since Sunday. Uh, shocking. Once for calling Rex Ryan a coward, like right after the game, uh, after his um, performance on Sunday. And then yesterday uh, that he was miffed and upset that he had been re- removed from his starting role. Sit down. Be humble. For once. Be lucky you're getting a paycheck, This, this bro. is an exact example of why he gets picked on. Because if you heard what he said, he said, He's a knucklehead. Of course, as a competitor, I was upset, but I totally support the decision. And, like, I respect you. What, about, like, what yeah, about the Rex like, Ryan's what, what, a what coward thing? That was unnecessary. Like, Someone asked, there's no need for I'm the just Rex saying Ryan this stuff. is true. If it was anyone else, we wouldn't care. You are a PR mouthpiece for the, the biggest I, income Rex, poop in football. Rex Ryan is a coward. <laughs> All right, calm down. You know, just because we went into the Foxborough in January 2011 and shocked the world. Everybody's going to be sh- still hanging that on Rex. Every- Leave him alone. Everybody's going to be shocked next year like, when nobody wait. signs Gino, and it's because of this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back on track here. <laughs> Eli Manning's the quarterback. Uh, what I was going to say, uh, Mark, was um, Alfred Morris has been pretty damn good a- as the running back of the Cowboys. He's got a, f- a couple more games in that role. Uh, are you feeling much better about them now? They had their best game on the ground last week. And Huge they, holes. I mean, the, the Redskins, to me, feel like a completely different operation from week to week, so I don't know always what to make of the results against that team. But Dallas seemingly figured out their issues in that game, at least. It's a team that knows them well. The Giants, too, too. Let me ask you a question. I, I know this is absurd. The Giants are allowing 400 yards per game on defense. The defense of last year, but they down some guys. I... I get it. You've made the coaching switch. You're at home. You got Eli Manning for all his flaws and virtues back on the field. Gonna this Giants fan game. has something. This Giants fan group has something to believe in. Steve Spagnuolo on the any sideline. Reason to believe that this is a little bit of a trap game for the Cowboys. Absolutely, sure. The Cowboys, to me, that was they can win games if their offensive line just wins games for them. But I don't think they're that much better than the Giants. I mean, as a, as an overall team right now without Zeke, I mean they're they're a middle of the road team. The Giants are a little unlucky to be two and ten. They're a bad they're a bad team, but I don't think the Giants should be heavy underdogs in this game, and I don't think they are. Greg would know. That's it. True. Yeah, that, that's true. The the Cowboys should win the game though. Got well, they have go in this your game. season's on the line. What is New York playing for, other than all this sort of you know ephemeral nonsense in the air about trying to have some sort of nice end to your season? Right. I'm with you. I'm wondering if the you know they they felt like they found something in the secondary, the Cowboys. So if that's a trend that Awuze and Frazier, these two rookies who played really well on Thursday night, if that becomes like a weekly occurrence, that that could be something. Especially going up against uh, Evan Ingram. I mean, that's the thing. The next Ooh, Ingram's looking. Good. I love Evan Ingram and I love Sterling Shepard and of course I love Odell Beckham. It's like whoever's going to be quarterbacking and coaching this team next year, you got some you got some great weapons to play with. DeMarcus- I don't think it's going to be Eli Manning. I think this is the last couple. couple games with Eli Manning. DeMarcus Lawrence could blow this game up, by the way. Sure. Um, as he's been doing all season. Uh, moving on. Excuse me. The Detroit Lions, 6-6. Six and six. Oh, no. Again, the Lions, you get, oh, you start to believe in the Lions, and then they lose two games. They're back to 6-6. Six and six. They got Matt Stafford. Practice today. He's got the bad hand. You could expect him to be on the field. Uh, be surprised if he isn't. And they go to Tampa, and this seems, Wes, like a great matchup. If Stafford 
can throw the ball. If he can grip the ball and do Matt Stafford throwing things, uh, he's probably going to have a nice day against this Tampa Bay defense. Oh, you meant great matchup as in? As in for him to <laughs> succeed. Yeah. for To keep their playoff hopes alive. Recipe for success facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Certainly not, not like game. this is an exciting matchup. Yeah. I like that AFC West uh, uh, crap fest. This one cannot get behind In the glorious game. sunlight yeah. of that hideous stadium down in Tampa Bay, <laughs> sit back and enjoy this well-oiled matchup. How many games in the last two years well oiled matchup does the Lions offense move the ball before garbage time or before the fourth quarter when they go no huddle and Stafford goes hurry up? I just don't trust this offense in the first three quarters of any game. And I I don't trust this defense in the, all four quarters. I mean they have made Joe Flacco they have re, Joe Flacco was reborn when he played the Lions. Although a lot of them were great throws to his credit. Mitchell Trubisky had his best game against the Lions. Deshaun Kaiser had basically his best game against the Lions. This is one of the worst defenses in the league. All they really have is Stafford in the passing game because we know they can't run the ball. They're 4 of 12 on third and one this year. Which is an, an insane stat. <laughs> it just that that to me tells you so much about their team. It's all Stafford carrying them, and I kind of feel like their season's going to end here in Tampa mm. just for Ooh. the just for like the law of averages. That why don't that, you lock it up? Throw it. Do it. Man, Throw it. I'm not gonna lock it up. Throw why it. don't you do like a soft lock where you just put like a chair behind the door? <laughs> my locks are. The door opens from the other way too. All my locks are. Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> I yeah I kind of don't see that happening for Detroit. I think they're going to take care of business here. They still have, they have the Bears and Bengals after this. In theory, they could go on a little bit of a run. And if we don't like Detroit's defense, I don't know what to like about Tampa Bay's. They're oh, an absolute right. sieve through the air. They can't rush the pass. After losing Noah Spence, there's zero pass rush there. And you're you're basically going to get two or three plays a game from Jameis Winston that are going to undermine the offense as well at this point. So I don't know. I mean. The Buck, at least the Lions, you get Marvin Jones going. Maybe it's late in the game, like you're saying, Wes. I just see them taking. The, well, Marvin the Jones is down. an idiot. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he. Bucks, the Bucks got to de- talk about another sound drop. We're going to lose in a couple weeks. What, one of the more surprisingly uh, poor players this year has been Doug Martin. I've been really surprised at how he has not kind of mm. come through for them. They were a lot better off last week without him, with with Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber ran well, and, yeah. and Martin will be back this week. I, I wonder if he'll even get to start for the team anymore. It's a good question. What's his future there? Martin. Mm-mm-mm. Glover it's Quinn, done because he's one of the higher-paid running backs in the league. I don't think Glover Quinn. You can besmirch the Lions he's defense awesome. all you want, but he's having an All-Pro year. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, oh boy. How about this? How about this? They've uh, won six of seven. They're eight and four. Eh, they're not blowing anybody away, but eight and four is eight and four is eight and four, and that's tied for first in the AFC South. And now they travel to Arizona to face the five and seven uh, Cardinals, who. Um, you know, kind of ran out of juice, it seemed, uh, in a 32-16 loss to the Rams last week. Uh, your thoughts on this matchup, Greg Rosenthal? I, I just want to see the Titans' passing game not be so limited, but it is. like at, it, We're into week 14, and they really haven't integrated Corey Davis, uh, their rookie. They really haven't consistently had Tywan Taylor. Eric Decker, I, I think it's safe to say either – they're not using him well, or he's kind of been a disappointment for them. Jonu Smith, their rookie tight ends, kind of come and go. Like when they they lost Rashard Matthews last week, it was like they didn't know what to do. And they're probably without Delaney Walker this week. It sounds like Matthews will be back. Walker's out, and it's just I I don't know. It's like the league kind of figured out what they were doing last year, and Malarkey doesn't have a, a move to pivot to. I'm gonna Dan. I'm gonna throw the Titans a bone. Okay, do it. I feel like we picked on them quite a bit. Three things: Demarco Murray looked much better. Yeah, last he did. Week. 
Delaney Walker, one of the best free agent signings of the past decade and an absolute pro bowler. He was complaining this week that he doesn't get enough credit. Mm. He absolutely should get credit. And the third thing, Marcus Mariota has made strides in some specific areas. He has been a really good two-minute drill quarterback this year, which is a very important part of the quarterback job. They, they have, I think, four or five fourth-quarter comebacks. He leads the NFL in it, and he played one of his best games of the season last week. It was totally clean, ran very well. He did his job totally a week ago, so hopefully he can keep that and, going. You know, if we're throwing the Titans some bones, you know, they won six out of seven. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's the NFL. Every, it's not easy to do that. Every so. time Delaney Walker makes a play, my son, also named Walker, just hears it and goes, Walker. Well, you know, he, nice. he's all very excited. So that <laughs> You're playing that, Titans film on a loop in your house. I think that that's reason for concern. <laughs> the one thing about the Cardinals, they couldn't do much against the Rams. I'm not in love with playing Gabbard, but Kerwin Williams and the way they ran, that was quite a show. I mean, it, it, it did, was running through gaping holes. Absolutely. They shut it down in the second half to some degree, but I, I just know uh, with Blaine Gabbard, I don't get it with this idea that he's going to be signed as a starter somewhere unless he's got a lot around him and like essentially that ground game. What is he going to do besides give you athletic mobile quarterback play himself? I don't He's good enough po- to get you fired or just good. Yeah, I just lose. I don't know what the it's not a long-term plan guy. Titans run defense has been stonewalling teams too. So good. that that has been an improved run defense. And one last note, Larry Fitzgerald uh with 26 receiving yards, will move past Randy Moss for third all-time in most receiving yards, and he's 10 catches away uh, from becoming the third player in NFL history. Having a great with year, 1,200 catches. He's again on pace for about 100 catches this year in what's been a limited offense I, with quarterback issues. He's pretty amazing. John Brown and JJ Nelson don't combine for the production that Larry Fitzgerald has had this year. He's on my Mount Rushmore of players I've enjoyed watching in my life. Uh, moving on, the 5-7 and seven New York Jets. They took out the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Now they hit the road. Oh, my goodness. Here it comes, a Rocky Mountain avalanche. But guess what? The avalanche has been coming down on the Broncos, <laughs> who are in an absolute tailspin. Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight losses, nine out of ten. So the Jets at five and seven have a chance to get to six and seven with a win. Uh, Mark... Uh, Denver, are they going to end their streak and end the Jets' hopes of a, a miraculous playoff run? This game shows me how much things can change. If teams like the Chiefs, to me, feel like the same thing over and over, this game is between a team that, to me, and the Broncos in September, I thought after they beat the Cowboys, looked like one of the more complete teams in the AFC, and everyone had the Jets back then ticketed for 1-15. and And here we are where C.J. Anderson is saying at this point, this is their Super Bowl. This is their playoff game. They want to win this to feel what it le- feels like to win again in Denver. What? And we talked about... What are you talking about? I, it, that's what he said, and it tells me like this is... Well, a, not you. I wasn't yeah. saying, what are you talking about? Exactly, Anderson. C.J. Right? Anderson, how, how what are you, you talking about? I, I just think it's expectations can so quickly change. And a guy like John Elway, who... I think we were comparing to adequately to Ozzie Newsom as the best former player to turn GM in the NFL. And now he's under fire. I think the coach we brought up as a potential hot butt. And if they lose this game, I think they're going to get whacked by the Jets in this game. Wow. I think maybe you have to wonder about Vance Joseph because things have fallen apart so steeply that Elway now is saying he's embarrassed by the season. There's a lot going on here. This is a good spot for the Jets. I mean, I going on the road in Denver. I don't care. If, if, as a Jets fan, I'm like not overly confident in the game, but at the same time, they're playing really well uh, on offense right now. 
And knowing that Denver struggled so much um, moving the ball, uh, as bad as the Jets' secondary looked against the Chiefs, I do think at this point, and Greg, we talked about it a little bit on our Slack client uh, yesterday, how Josh McCown is, is playing so well. He's just, he's just like feeling himself right now and making good decisions. And every week he's putting the Jets in position to win games because they're scoring 20 to 30 points typically. Uh, and that's more than you could have expected in August. It, it's amazing. This is going to be his best complete season as an NFL quarterback, assuming he gets through it all at 38 years old. You know he's feeling it because my favorite play every week is the play where he's pointing at his receivers to go. Th- I mean, that's the Josh <laughs> McCown move. I love that he's, move. He's been doing it for 14 years, kind of just running around pointing for them where to go, and it's all working this year. This year, It's a shame Robbie Anderson tweaked his hamstring in practice this week because the game – that he and Jermaine Curse played last week, I thought was one of the best games by a wide receiver duo all year by any wide receiver duo. And McCown played well too, but I, the Jets are one of the most fun versions of the Jets that I've seen in, in many years. <laughs> um, yeah, Jermaine Curse, who, by the way, as a reminder, was a throw-in in the Sheldon Richardson deal, so they also have the second-round pick. And Anderson has emerged as kind of a um, real playmaker. He has seven touchdowns this year now. That's sixth in the league. And over the past, um, since week 12, uh, Curse and Anderson are in the top five in receiving. Cur- uh, Anderson on pace for 1,100 yards a season, and Curse on pace, pace for 900 yards. They've had a really nice season as a pair. They've had back-to-back 100-yard games, both of them. It's the first time that's happened for the Jets this is a statement how tough it's been for Jets fans in 50 years since Don Maynard and George Sauer did it in 1967. I brought up that factoid on Tuesday, but you brought the Whoa. Maynard well, Ma- uh, Maynard um, Sauer angle to it. So you didn't completely waste our time. Read up. <laughs> All right. You know, you try to say something nice about the Jets, and this is what happens. <laughs> Go read up on George Sauer, listeners out there. One of the most fascinating football players ever. Oh, but and by the way, I have all this season, Mark. Sour pop. To your to your credit, uh, no, don't you besmirch a Jets legend just because we don't have I many. I wasn't. I was saying good sour pop. It, you know, it's just sour kind of, pop. It's just not probably ever going to happen again. That probably we're not. Call thirty second. Right, sour sour bomb. Um, Mark, all season you have been saying how you've enjoyed the Jets, and I've been trying to distance myself, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm still trying to keep my head uh, from getting too in the clouds on. on them making a playoff run. But at the same time, I haven't really gone in all in on them at all, at all this season at any point in terms, at least in this podcast studio. Screw that. You know what? The New York Jets, they need to win a bunch of games. Uh-oh. They might have to win every game. Oh, no. They get to January. What? And I don't know if that's going to happen. Probably not. But I'll tell you what they are going to win. They're going to win on Sunday. The Rocky Mountain Avalanche. Here comes global warming, because I'm locking it up. J-E-T-S. Let's go, baby. Can't wait. That spells certain doom for that team. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's the right time for it. Let's do it. Come on, Jets. Make Isn't this fun. It? They're playing the, the literal last-ranked team in uh, Football Outsiders in the league. They can do it. Let's have some it. fun. The worst. They just lost 35-9 to to the Dolphins. Let's give Francesa a little playoff push before he leaves the building at, the, at FAN. Let's go. Do it for Mike Francesa. Who says that? Uh, finally, uh, not finally, let's move on. The Washington Redskins, 5-7, and seven, season over, um, uh, most likely after that loss to the Cowboys last Thursday. They travel to Los Angeles to play at the soccer stadium. The Chargers, 6-6. Six and six. Wes, uh, the Chargers, everybody pumped up. Is there any reason to have concerns about the Charger team this week? No. 
They're playing a team that is in absolute tatters because they lose important starters every week. The Redskins roster right now is not close to what it was in September and October. Their offensive line got pushed around and just thoroughly eviscerated by uh, the Dallas Cowboys defensive line last week. And the Ingram-Bosa Chargers are, are going to toy with them this week. And I'm going to have to lock this up. Mm. I'm not going to be too dramatic about it, but <laughs> I allowed myself to imagine the Chargers with Justin Tucker and a semblance of a home field advantage. And the Patriots and Steelers would be afraid of this team. How many teams have a franchise quarterback, a well-rounded running back, a Danny Woodhead-like scat back, a legitimate number one receiver, play big play guys at wide receiver two and three, a top five tight end. Top five. The best pass rushing duo in the NFL. I hear you. And a top five secondary. This team is loaded. And if it wasn't for bad luck and bad kicking earlier in the year, Mm. They'd be they'd be the talk of the AFC right now. I'm a, I'm a little worried. The one thing as a Chargers kind of backer be. is that Anthony Lynn in a tight game in a big spot. I I feel like there's been a couple moments here where I've worked. You know, most of their wins have been comfortable for the most part. So I'd, I'd be a little worried about that in a playoff situation or maybe going down the stretch. But to give him credit, I think he had an epiphany, not maybe that different from uh, Ron Rivera having that epiphany. Wow. way back in the day. And his epiphany was, this should be a passing team. This should be Philip Rivers' team. I need to get out of my whole ground and pound. That's what I'm all about mindset. And the second he did that about four weeks ago, they have thrown the ball really well. And you saw late last week in the first half, Philip Rivers fumbles the ball with about a minute 40 left. Could have totally turned the game in the first half. It's second and 19. And I feel like... At the beginning of the season, Lynn would have just run the ball there and gone into halftime. But you know what he let Rivers do is just go bomb it away because he's playing the Browns. They got points before halftime, and they've been really aggressive throwing the ball. I don't think the score of that Browns game could any in any way reveal how much they dominated for moments at a time. They just You saw a team with star players operating at star level against a team, hoping they had that kind of a roster. You are going to win this game because West just locked it up for you if you're the Chargers. That's you not have, helping their cause. We'll see. You have the Chiefs next week. West, one, that of, could take one of care. three of the four of us under 500 this year. That could take wow. care of the AFC West. Then you have the Jets and the Raiders to close out the year. This team is going to get into the playoffs, and they're going to win a playoff game, and either the Patriots or the Steelers are going to have to deal with this. No one's going to want to. And if you go back and watch that Chargers-Patriots game, score aside, that was one of the better performances by the Los Angeles defense this year. They, got, they, they put it to Brady for a long stretch of that game. I think this is a very interesting team. This Win this game. Take care of business. They will. Because my, my fear is, is just knowing the Chargers' history is that they're going to blow one of these games. I feel like this game could be one of those games because Kirk Cousins, I know he's playing behind an offensive line that's messed up, uh, but I just I like him as a player. Wes, I know we've talked about how he's he's a guy that's making things happen. And they're a weird team. And they're a weird team. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. I think this is going to be a game. I think this is, and I think the if the Chargers can find a way in this game, I'm going to feel a lot better about them because I do. I agree with you guys. I think they are the best team in the AFC West. But Chargers going to Charger. That's all. That's my only concern right now. That's all. That's they're it. not the Bengals. <laughs> But their record in, ask a Chargers their record in, about that. Their record in, in point games decided by eight points or less backs you up entirely. There's no team in or anywhere close to the to the heartache they felt in that scenario. Those days are over. If you could find a Chargers fan. Well, uh, uh, AC Slater. Slater. <laughs> I mean it's tough because they're up there at number right one in the pain around. rankings. They got that number one pain ranking spot. Yeah, so, read that. You know, read that and tell that. me they if they've had that. a nice uh, history. Fulton, we gotta get uh, AC Slater on the podcast to talk the Chargers if they make the playoffs. 
Let's get on the horn. I'm on top of it. All I right. saw him the other day at Raw, so <laughs> what if we get best friends now. What if we get Matt Money Smith instead? You you would take money over Slater? In any walk of life. Wow. <laughs> uh all right, moving on. Uh big game, big, 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 big game. Interconference. Intra inter. Non conference. It's non conference, yeah. Non Intra would be inside the conference. Inter would be. I think inter would be inside the conference. Yeah, intra too. is outside. Just so go non Intra. No. We've, we've got to get the inter intra right. Well, if you don't know the, which is which, then it's, I think it, that's. It's, well, that's why I'm asking you. Some int- people are like, oh, I'm too smart to ask. Yeah, but if not, I know. Of I'll, us, just, I'll just I'll guess or not intra. say it. None of us. Intra. Intra. intra that's is, all I'm asking. Intra means inside, within. Yeah. Intra oh, conferences within the conference. Oh. But see why your list non conference. Clearly, even we don't understand. Okay, so. In- so inter I was schooled is inter on this inter by the someone same? on Twitter. Yeah, you, you and Mark were right. I was wrong. No, inter, because it's like when you take the interstate, that will go through different if, states. If anything, the, yes, I would say interconference. Interconference matchup. Well, non-conference is feels safe. Overly safe. That's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> AFC, NFC matchup. Overly safe. An interconference <laughs> matchup between the 8-4 and four Seattle Seahawks, who are, have won two straight. Uh, including that huge win on Sunday night, Sunday night against the Eagles against the 8-4 and four Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who uh, beat up on a bad Colts team last week. Oh, my goodness, what a game, Greg. Uh, do you think the Seattle defense – by the way, where are you at on the Seattle defense missing most of the Legion of Boom? Do, can, do we still believe they can get big stops in a big spot? I do. We saw it last week. Frank That's Clark, true. Frank Clark – dominated that game and has played great over the last month. Michael Bennett is still there. Bobby Wagner is a defensive player of the year candidate. Earl Thomas is one of the best safeties in football. KJ Wright's very good. So, okay, you're missing some guys. How many teams have a top six players that good? I mean, it's still a very good defense. I like the matchup better, and I like that their offensive line quietly has played Fairly well, I would say, over the last three or four weeks. I, I was talking in this it. in this studio. No, I'm not lying. Do it. I, I was talking in this studio that the <laughs> their offensive line versus the Eagles, biggest mass, mismatch possible in football, and, and they played pretty well against Philly. I thought you were heading there because the tone of your voice. I was just getting excited. Question for me. I mean, you have to do, if you're Jacksonville, what no one's been able to do, and you got to remove Russell Wilson, a guy that leads the league with 82.2 percentage of your team's yardage and you keep waiting for it to happen. And I thought it would happen against the Eagles to some extent. And it does not. Jacksonville has been fascinating to watch week to week. They are erasing quarterbacks entirely in terms of big plays downfield. What will happen against Seattle's offense? Will they be able to pull it off? Is Mike Davis legit? Because that was the best. Certainly looks like he looks like it. That was the best running back performance. It's kind of like, is Mike Davis legit? Is the Seahawks team legit? Because that, game last week to me was about as meaningful a result that we've seen all season but it maybe doesn't it doesn't mean that much if they don't win this game like if they go into Jacksonville it's like I'm in on them as as one of the real contenders well yeah I think this game is big for for taking a lot of things seriously Russell Wilson's offense is 15th in drive success rate if I'm going to take him seriously as an MVP candidate he's got to go into Jacksonville and put it on a historically great pass defense I want to see the Seahawks be more consistent on offense. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna believe that Russell Wilson is in Tom Brady's category, uh, one thing I thought watching the Jaguars that again they're gonna find a quarterback in this offseason, someone that they can trust more than Blake Bortles. And Marquis Lee had a really good game last week. Dede Westbrook looks good. You've got weapons here, and they're not far away from having 
an offense that can do just what the defense can do. Bortles and then is, they're an issue in the AFC for 10 years to come. It's probably the coaching, but it is worth noting. Bortles has been significantly better than he was a last year week. ago. That's, and I, that's mechanics. Yeah, and, and, and I think he's probably been better over the last month than he has in the first two months. I mean, so, he had that melt. He had that meltdown. But if, right, if but even that game, that's a good example. Like even that game, he played such a great first 50, 52 minutes or something. So the Arizona game? Uh, no, I think you're talking about the Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, There's so Chargers. many meltdowns. No, the Chargers, now Chargers game. The Chargers <laughs> game. You're right. There's a lot of different meltdowns. If you get what he's he did against better. Indianapolis, you can beat teams. No I'm just saying. I think you're he, not going to play the Colts every. I'm saying he's like the 23rd or 24th best quarterback in the league, which is seven spots. You know, seven or eight spots. Jobs also a lot easier than yeah. some of those quarterbacks you would rank behind him doesn't it feel like though if he's the 24th best quarterback that maybe he's like hitting a ceiling there that there yeah. is a floor yes. where yes. he's and yes. they have to play like the worst yes. quarterback in the league for the rest of the season yes. they have to yes. replace him. yes <laughs> he's not even rex grossman who was hitting big plays down the field that year that, that the bears defense and special teams were so good bortles doesn't hit big plays down the field if, with any kind of i love this game if your quarterback's ceiling is top 25, <laughs> go find another quarterback. Yeah, no, you're right. There's, there's no arguing that. <laughs> My quarterback's easily top 30, guys. All right, moving on. Dan's that is feeling good. that Josh McCown love. Josh McCown is like, what, is he the 11th best quarterback this year in the league? I thought it's he was the watch. one guy on Greg's list I would have considerably higher. Where do you have him? I think I had him 17th. Uh, he's had a better year than Derek Carr. 17. They're close. Damn, bro. Close. <laughs> That's cold-blooded, man. He's having a really nice season. Got to re-sign him, right? Uh, as long as it doesn't turn into a Fitz negotiation. They, hopefully they learn from that mistake. It's going to be McCown and a rookie, I think, you would think. Uh, <laughs> Makes sense. Yo, wait, you're not yes. giving Kristen Hackenberg a chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think – I think. did you say Kristen Hackenberg? Whatever his name yeah. is, you're going to be on Chris Law's list. <laughs> you don't want to be there. Yeah, Chris Law's bit uh, has kind of faded off uh, the earth a little bit. You don't see it too much anymore. No, not really too much. Moving on. Here we go. It is the Fox um, game of the week, probably. Just a guess. I'm guessing it is. The Philadelphia Eagles, 10-2, and two, leaders in the NFC East. They got humbled a little bit by the Seahawks last Sunday, but still in very good position for the number one seed if they take care of business. But now, here come the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, what a game. You got to love it, Mark. Carson Wentz versus Jared Goff. And if the Rams don't win this, they are out of the conversation for getting a bye, most likely. And all of a sudden, things get a little tricky for them because there's so much heat beneath them as well. Man, last week against the Cardinals, it was another example. They suddenly were up 16 to nothing. And you didn't even know how it happened. It just happened so quickly. It's their defense, their offense. Special teams played a big role in that game down the stretch. I love these two teams, and I love this NFC, and everyone always kills on the schedule makers early, and they deserve it early with some weird stuff. But this great loaded NFC is giving us one or two of these matchups every week now. And these are two teams that we dumped on for a long time for a variety of reasons. They are the two teams in the league that aggressively traded up to get their quarterbacks. It's worked out. They both hired offensive-minded coaches and paired them with very experienced defensive coaches. They've got stars on both sides of the ball. And it made me think, watching Sean McVay and what he's done with the Rams, how many careers are altered and saved and revived by what's happened. That a guy like Jared Goff, who we could, we had no, con- no, we could not have been more concerned about a year ago, has completely rounded into shape as a franchise quarterback. Todd Gurley, a guy that a year ago was franchise poison and someone that couldn't get anything going. He is unbelievable. I love the way he runs. But you throw, well, he was last year. Poison. You throw the ball to him, and his screen game and what he's doing in the passing game, it is tough to imagine. 
imagine how the Rams get stopped unless they run into some sort of defensive game plan that finds a way to shut everyone down. There's too many weapons here. That was one of the best lead-ins we've had all year to a matchup. Ooh, well yeah. done, Mark. Thank you. Nice work, Mark. They, Thank you, Dan. Gurley, you mentioned in the in the passing game. <laughs> I forgot about those the West asides where he compliments Mark. I really, we, have, I have really missed those. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I, I I agree. It was impassioned, and it was it's true. Informed as well. We also well, all right. We have <laughs> we have seen them go against a really good defense a few times this year, and they haven't shown up. They scored ten points against the Seahawks. They scored seven points against the Vikings. This is a really good defense they're playing on Sunday against Philadelphia. So I think you are going to have to show that that it's not just McVay's great coaching that the players have to win their one-on-one battles. Like Todd Gurley, I think. Been- been doing especially to me he's not an MVP candidate but I did a top five this week and he was the best guy I could come up with for number five he is averaging more yards per reception than Des Bryant than Demarius Thomas than Michael Thomas than a lot of great wide receivers yeah like that a lot of good wide receivers in the league and he's a very steady very good running he's breaking tackles to do it yeah you talk about one-on-one matchups and we complained last year that he doesn't make anyone miss he's been the exact opposite this year and And he should be Right now, to me, he has a clear lead as the first-team All-Pro running back. I agree. I, I mean, Bell, Bell has played. We'll get to him. Kamara would be in the mix. Yeah, but but I, I I agree. I would go with him. And but this is a tough matchup, and you kind of expect Philadelphia to be able to run the ball better than you do the Rams. Legarrette Blunt and Clement and that team who really didn't get the running game going last week. You kind of look at, for instance, Kerwin Williams running all over the Rams, and you yeah. think. Okay, what what is what is Blunt in this Eagles team? Because it's ultimately kind of a run first team, despite Carson Wentz. I think they kind of go off the running. Game. I I kind of love the Eagles in this game. I know they're on the road, and I respect the Rams. But I thought that that was the you know they you. you heard that floating around like team of ATL. That was a very half-hearted how dare you? Yeah, because it makes sense. I'm a little annoyed people float things like, hey, this is kind of a good loss for the Eagles. <laughs> it gives them, you know, humbles them a little bit. I like, I, don't, I never like understood that whole thing. Some sort, of, some sort of man, some surfer character just rolled off the <laughs> Pacific Ocean to take a shot at the Eagles. But really good teams, <laughs> really good teams, and almost every team loses every once in a while, unless you're the Patriots now. But, like, you bounce back. And you deliver a performance in Carson Wentz, who wasn't horrible against the Seahawks, but wasn't Carson Wentz that we've seen. I expect him to have a big game. I think the Eagles are a better team than the Rams, and I think they're going to show it in this game. I, I, I really did consider locking it up, but I had to give, I had to show my boys, Gang Green, some love. The only Gang Green in town. Uh, so I, but I feel very strongly about the Eagles. Mm. What do you guys think? Let's pick this game. Well, I, I agree with you that it's a good, it's a good pick. I. I think Sean McVay is the wild card. I just think the world of him as a coach, but I agree the Eagles are the better team, and I think it's a good spot for them coming back from last week. So I'm on Dan's side here. I'm going to take the Rams because that's what I want to see happen, and I have no clue what is going to happen. And Sammy Watkins, it's been great to see him playing better the last few weeks. Robert Quinn's been playing better. So some of their stars are playing better. Maybe they come through. I would, I'm going to go Eagles. Even in that game that were Wentz, you know, that was not a Carson Wentz typical game. Tate made two of the greatest plays we've seen all yeah, year. True. And I think they're going to win in a close one. You but, know, the Rams don't get a lot of respect. Even in this room, Football Outsiders, for instance, number one team in the NFL. Eagles are number two. This is like the best matchup you can possibly well, have. Right. I would rather deal game. with Football Insiders. Thank you. That's, <laughs> by the way, you admitted that you have no idea what's going to happen. Of course not. George, <laughs> 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 how'd you get in here? We all know what's going to happen at all times. I don't understand. 
All right, boys, let's move to Sunday night football. The Baltimore Ravens 7-5, and five, riding a three-game winning streak. Now travel to Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, to face the Steelers, who have that humongous matchup looming against the Patriots. But first, they got to deal with another rival in the Ravens. Last Monday night, uh, that incredibly violent and physical uh, affair with the Cincinnati Bengals that the uh, Steelers won in the final seconds. Uh, the big story out of that game, of course, was the injury suffered by linebacker Ryan Shazier, who suffered a spinal injury. Uh, we hadn't been getting a lot of information in the last few days, and we did get an update before we came upstairs today that Sh- Shazier underwent spinal stabilization surgery Wednesday night to address the spinal injury suffered on Monday. Um, the surgery took place um, at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, and um, Ian Rappaport, our um, NFL Network insider, reported uh, Thursday that the surgery will necessitate months of recovery, according to sources, before he even considers a return to football. His season is over, and in terms of a long-term look for Shazier, it's still unclear. Yeah, I think his defensive coordinator put it well Thursday that he's just worried about Ryan as a person and his future – and then quality of life. And, and I think it's that sort of stage that we're in now. We really don't know what it's going to mean football wise, but it's kind of hanging. It's one of the bigger stories of the season. It's kind of hanging over the Steelers organization, you know, in, in particular, I would imagine going into this game. Yeah. There hasn't been a game all year that I can look back on outside of that Bengals Steelers game that left more of a shadow where there's so much that came out of that. You've got the Juju Smith-Schuster suspension for this Ravens game, and you've lost Shazier, who the Pittsburgh defense has been... For me, as much as the offense gives you a lot of hope, the defense is the reason I think they can potentially knock out the Patriots if they get there in the playoffs. And, and credit... That's different than you say on text, by the way. That's a different message. <laughs> That you send to us every game, every time we watch the Steelers. You say the, AF- I think, I think, the AFC is over. Is I think this. I think though, but I've rethought the Steelers a little bit. I really think that this this whole thing that's happened to them. Sometimes something happens to a team and it re, it, it kind of regalvanizes you and changes you. I think the Steelers are a different. That's team interesting coming out of this. because Shazier is so important, Wes, to that. Steelers defense, and to their credit, after the shock of that situation, they shut down Cincinnati without Shazier in the second half, and they're going to have another opportunity to to shut down an offense because Baltimore struggles uh, typically, but they came to life last week. Uh, do, you, do you like the Ravens to score some more points this week? Every year it seems like there's a team that we judge the first three months of the season who they are, and we expect it to stay static, but then – they take it up a notch on one side of the ball or the other. And what, who they are in December and January is totally different. And maybe the Ravens are. They have some materials to work with on offense. Would you guys believe that these two teams average the same number of points per game? Yeah, Baltimore's <laughs> had 30 points plus a game for the last five weeks. Mm. The Ravens score more points per game than the Falcons and Chargers. Now, that's largely because of their defense and because of their special teams setting them up. But that doesn't, it doesn't matter on the scoreboard. It's all that matters is how much you Two 40-point games and two low 20-point games. So a little bit misleading, but still. It is misleading. And they, when you watch the film, they are not an impressive offense. But I think they do have the materials to be one if Flacco ups his game. And last week was his best game of the year. Receivers even dropped three or four passes when he was on the money. That's an encouraging sign. Now, can they do it multiple weeks in a row now that they're getting really healthy on offense? That's the question. I'll go a step further. That was one of the best games any quarterback's played all season. I was kind of stunned when I went back and watched that he 
more or less pitched the perfect game. There were almost no throws that you would take back from him. And he had about 12, 13 really difficult wins into tight windows or down the field. And I was thinking, like, is this the anomaly? Like, does this make – do I just not trust this after what I saw for 11 weeks? Or does it just make them embarrassed about what happened for 11 weeks because actually they, Joe Flacco can be pretty good? I don't know. It's a good question. I have question. no idea. Wait, you, are you saying again that you don't know something? I'm saying, like, how does the – he had the worst numbers in the entire league, and he played awesome. He looked – if you put that game in the middle of the 2012 playoffs, it would have fit right – Well, in. what oh, if you great. flipped it? Let's say a quarterback played 12 pristine games, then had an absolute nightmare. Would you? Tr- what, what would you tend to believe? I wouldn't trust it, and uh, that's why I'm but locking this one up for the old Steelers. That was <laughs> underwhelming. <laughs> I know your confidence shot. Confidence seems to be shaken at the at the least. Oh, of course, we're six. I'm six and seven. Literally, it is. You would have locked. You would have had more locks if you went the exact opposite of Literally. exactly what I did. Um, Could not be worse. I don't think the Steelers' defense is what it was a month ago, and it's not just his it ear. Their edge rushers are a lot more inconsistent. T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. And their cornerbacks have been problems since Joe Hayden's injury. I, I, I don't think that they're a shutdown unit. And how how important has Shazier been in terms of being the, the center of that defense? According to our next-gen stats, entering Week 13, Shazier was on the field for 640 of 647 total snaps. That's 98.9% of playing time. He is the heartbeat of that defense. So they need some of these guys that have went quiet to step up to fill the void. They did a really nice job against Cincinnati, but the Bengals have their demons. So you don't know how much was the Steelers and how much was Cincinnati gagging. They're going to be tested again down the stretch. The, the more fascinating matchup for me is when the Steelers are on the field, uh, that offense has been getting better rhythm lately. The Ravens are without Jimmy Smith. Marlon Humphrey, their rookie, got picked on a week ago. And Ben's had his timing with Martavis Bryant. I know you don't have Juju Smith-Schuster this week, but you still have to deal with those two receivers on the outside. And, and I'm not sure this Ravens defense is as historical and great. I'm not sure they're going to be able to shut down Pitts. You know, I we think t- Bryant's back. We he, talk, yeah, he's sorry. had several plays, including the kickoff return, where he looks absolutely explosive. He's getting to the edge and running by people. And th- I think the Steelers' offense can make up for what they're, they're missing on defense. And finally, Monday Night Football, the New England Patriots, 10-2, uh, and two, uh, riding a... Uh, nine-game winning streak, uh, eight-game winning streak. Good job, guys. Travel now to Miami to face the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins whipped up on the Broncos last week, but everybody does that now. Before that, they had lost five in a row. And, Greg, before we completely check this one in the box for the throne of ease, it should be noted that Tom Brady uh, has lost eight games in Miami in his career, seven and eight. That's the only place other than Denver where he has a losing record. Um, I wrote about that a little bit yesterday, and some you know, Patriots guy came at me and said, it, ha- it all happens in the early season. I don't know if that's true or right, and you could throw the humidity angle at it, but it's worth noting that Brady and the Pats have not thrived in Miami. And that's also Just noting. And this guy on Twitter is wrong. A lot of them. Some of I figured them he was. Early, but they lost in December, I believe, on the way to winning a Super Bowl uh, a few years back. So it, it happens. I think this is a different... 
uh, Dolphins team, though. I mean, I don't yeah. think this is a— There's no Ronnie Brown Wildcat there's, coming at It's him. not no. a competitive Dolphins team. I, You know, the one thing I think you'd con- I'm concerned about as a Patriots fan is Brady has taken a lot of hits the last month. So he did, like, the first month of the season, kind of went away, and he has really taken a, a beating week after week the last month, playing great through it. But it- Well, and they talk about him dealing with an Achilles injury, which does not appear on the field from what I can see, but they don't have Rob Gronkowski. I think in another, if that happened a week later against Pittsburgh, that would be a massive loss. They will get but Chris Hogan back, which that is helps. good for them. He, they're 12-0 and 0 without Gronk. And by the way, if you look Crazy. at their points per game and their yardage in the 12 games since 2016 that they did not have Gronk, they would lead the NFL in both categories. <laughs> so I do think it's Brady's, Brady's production is they're so good. different without Gronk. His, his, his numbers go down, but it doesn't seem to sink the team is it the way it did in years previous when he got hurt. Great stats, Mark. I have one that's even more disgusting. The filthiest stat of week 14. You ready for it? Please. From This comes from uh, Rich Freebar of uh, Roto World. Hope I got his last name. Does a good job. On Freebar. His, he does a weekly uh, yes. cheat sheet, I think he calls yeah, it. The worksheet, it's called, and he does a great job. At Lord Reeves on Twitter. Nice little pop there. For a friend, Rich. Anyway, here it comes. The last time the Patriots ran a play while trailing in a game was the first quarter of week eight. Hashtag save football. Hashtag cancel the Patriots. How about we cancel all the rotten teams like the Dolphins and stuff? Right. No, there's going to be nothing exactly. left. I'm all about There'll that. There'll be nobody left to play. You want, Traction. You want some uh, Throne of Ease you know, commentary here? I kind of feel the Patriots need some more tests. In their schedule right now, they've come after the bye, and it's been Cupcake City. Even before the bye, the Broncos and the you know the Raiders weren't the teams that they expected. Yes, they get the Steelers next week, and that's good. But I, I don't like that they've played basically the dregs of the league. The, the Jets are going to be the second toughest game they have in the second half of the schedule. Well, Week 17. We've heard, we've heard all about the defensive turnaround, but when you look at this team, who they faced, all the good offenses that they've beaten, the Saints – the Falcons, the Chargers, they played those teams before the offense has started humming. They've timed, yeah. they've timed the schedule. Sometimes it's when you play a team, and I think the Patriots have been fortunate. The football gods have, and the football gods hate the fan bases of many other teams. Many, many other, but not yours, Greg. Definitely. Yours, they smile down upon week after week. Well, you know who- and you sit in your little comfortable chair, and angels feed you grapes, and half-clothed humans Cherubs. pour wow. sort of you know, oh, the, liquid and drinks the, and wine down your throat. Jesus nice juice, time. as they call it. I mean, the, the football gods wearing a headset on the sidelines and taking snaps behind center. Those are your football gods. Oh! <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for the religion podcast, the theology podcast, guys. Um, that is it for the Week 14 preview. Um, the next time you hear from us, it will be Sunday night when we recap all the games. NFL Pick'em, by the way, is the television show on NFL Network that they put us on for a few minutes every week. And uh, you could check that out. A little different schedule this week, guys. Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern and then Sunday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Does that mean we lost? We've lost two, we two showings. All right, so we're being phased out of the NFL Network schedule. Oh, good to know. That's a we, we were, uh, good to know. That's fine. We were on up to the minute Thursday. It'll be too late for people that listen to us, but I, you know. We, yeah, we're, we're scheduled on up to the minute on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We get bumped there once or twice a week, too. So listen, some, you try, try to catch, catch it. Don't go out of your way, though. Don't, I mean, don't feel like you have to go out of your way. I wouldn't call us shooting stars on the network side. I would call us, you know. Meek constellations. <laughs> we're um, we're utility players. 
We are. We're role players. We're definitely you know? role players. You know, your third baseman gets a sprained ankle. You need someone to fill in for a couple games. But Randy Velarde. We're there. <laughs> and no Chico more. Ruiz. You need like an Andy Stankowitz type. You need a Gabe Kapler. Give me a, a red utility guy, Wes. Chico Ruiz. He has the greatest quote in baseball history. What was it? He was a utility guy, and he had to play every day for a couple of months, and he said, bench me or trade me. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Like uh, the attitude. All right, there you go. Let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Till Sunday. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.